Good morning, Elevation. Good to be with you once again in this virtual space. Well, tomorrow is the last day of November, and I don't know about you, I'm feeling pretty good. I think I've crossed most of the essentials off my list. Uh, got the winter tires changed over, um, got the exterior lights strung up across the eavesdrops, and I purchased my first carton of eggnog. So really moving things along at a good pace. Apparently, decorating and getting ready for Christmas early is kind of a thing this year. A lot of people are doing this, and as the kind of articles are talking about, it's a way of people maybe entering a little more comfort into their home and uh, filling some of the anticipated gaps that we're gonna be having this holiday season. And honestly, if trimming a tree a little earlier than usual helps bring a little lifted spirit to the tail end of a very unusual year, well, then I'm all for it. Now, believe it or not, it's actually a long-standing tradition in the Christian faith to encourage a gradual buildup of anticipation leading up to the celebration of Christmas. This morning marks the onset of Advent, the beginning of a new church year. Listen to the words of Robert Weber describe this season. Advent is a corporate spiritual journey that calls for expectant waiting and readiness for the coming of Christ. Now the word Advent means coming or arrival. And so together we affirm that Christ has come, that he is present in the world today, and that he will come again in power to bring all of God's good purposes for the world to play. So to help us enter this season of Advent together, we have delivered Advent packages to all of the households in our community, at least to everyone who's in a neighbors group. And we tried to reach out to as many people who are not to make sure that we could get one to you, uh, hopefully in person. So what are you gonna find in these Advent packs? Hopefully you've had a chance to unpack it already. Well, there's a booklet in there that uh, has a, a number of writings and reflections and passages of scripture to help lead you through the four themes of this Advent season. Uh, you're gonna find for households with kids between age two and grade five, you're gonna find activity packs for each of the children to kind of go through this season. And of course, there's chocolate. I mean, if, there has to be. Uh, if you did not get a physical pack and you're, uh, but you would like to follow along this season, you can do that online on the Stay Connected page of our website you can find an online version of this experience. I'd also invite you to follow along to a parallel podcast experience, which will include a number of scripture readings, as well as other readings and music, all compiled by members of our Elevation community. And you can find that on the Elevation Servants podcast. So one thing that I wanna do uh, right at the beginning here is, cause this needs to start today, is uh, the creation, talk about the creation of an advent wreath. So we're gonna ask you to get a little creative with us. We provided tea lights uh, for the four weeks of advent and the Christ candle for the middle, and you can do whatever you want. You can make it as simple or as complex as you'd like to. Um, you know, I was looking for some examples of this online and came up with a couple of people who maybe went a little far in their advent wreath creativity. So maybe don't go quite that far. Um, maybe just keep it simple this year, but we We'd love for you to be able to do that, including adding, lighting that first candle of Advent as we begin this journey together. Advent is a corporate spiritual journey, but as we set out together, the first thing that I want to encourage us to do is to expand our understanding of what we mean when we say corporate. For starters, we make this journey with a motley crew of believers whose faith may look a lot different than ours. Uh, Advent is not something that just the people of Elevation do. It's not just a thing Canadians do. It's something that Christians all over the world do. And that means that people who 
follow Jesus, who share the same faith, who look or practice their faith differently are also doing this at the same time. And I think it's actually a beautiful reminder that these themes of hope and peace and joy and love, they're not just for us, but they're for everyone around this wide world of ours. And in order for us to really truly embrace the season, we need to start at the beginning of the story instead of here somewhere in the middle where we find ourselves today. Because the story of Advent actually began 2,500 years ago. And so the story is both broad uh, in today's terms as far as a globe, being a global experience, but it also has a long reach back into history. So 2,500 years ago, God's people were in exile and they were longing for God to show up and fix their broken world. The lyrics of the common Advent song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. For centuries, people had been led by power-hungry kings. They had been led astray by self-centered prophets, and they had been lulled into apathy by half-hearted religious leaders. And they had had enough of it, and they were crying out, calling out for God to come and rescue them. The first theme of the Advent season is hope. And by definition, any conversation about hope begins in a place where hope is hard to come by. I came across this image online, I thought it was great, is these three kids gathered around, perfectly posed, matching outfits, just smiles on their faces, Christmas tree in the background, playing this guitar, whatever. I mean, it's just fantastic. And I thought, man, like, like this family right here, they don't need hope. I mean, they've got it all. Now listen, I'm not really on social media, but I understand that pictures don't always accurately represent real life. So it is possible that the family depicted in this image actually has a lot of need for hope, but it doesn't seem like it. And I think one of the things that we need to start off with this understanding about hope is that actually it comes into play when we desperately need it most. There's this line in Romans 8, 24, it says, hope that is seen, that's no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? No, hope begins to have real meaning when you can't see through the fog of the present moment. I took this picture out of our bedroom window, which is where I have a little workstation when I'm working from home. And as you can see, it, it's really difficult to see very far. I mean, you can see a couple of yards and then things begin to fade. This might be your situation right now. You may find yourself looking around and not being able to see very far. You may feel like all you can kind of do is muddle through the present moment. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. I don't know exactly the details of your circumstances, but I absolutely know that many people watching this morning, many people taking part in the service, have a deep desire and longing to have hope in life because it doesn't seem like there's a lot to be had. There's this great line by Thomas Merton that I help, think can help get us, give us some perspective. He writes that hope takes us entirely out of this world while we remain bodily in the midst of it. Because sometimes, Remaining bodily in the midst of whatever it is we're going through is all that we can handle. And so he paints hope as this thing that somehow takes us out. It doesn't take us bodily, physically out of it. We still have to walk through this fog and we have to still go through what we're going through. But somehow hope allows us to, to see life or to navigate life from a different perspective while also muddling through the world that we're, we've been dealt. Now for the Israelites, it was at the bottom of this valley of despair that there arose this longing for God to raise up a new king. There was a yearning for God's dynamic presence to return to their midst, to once again lead them faithfully. 
The cry from Isaiah, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Now, at risk of skipping too far ahead in the story, which is always a challenge during Advent, one of the gifts of Christmas is a reminder that the fulfillment of our hopes, well, they may come packaged in somewhat unexpected ways. Now, on to the second reading from Luke's gospel, which actually begins with this great line. Uh, Luke says, this is an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So Advent actually doesn't start uh, with the story of Jesus. It doesn't start in the New Testament because Jesus did not arise out of nowhere. He was a fulfillment of this longing, of this hope that had been lingering amongst God's people for centuries. Now, that being said, Jesus was not what the people expected. They expected some kind of a mighty ruler. They expected like signs in the heavens and everything would change instantly. But his arrival, the incarnation of God in human flesh was the fulfillment of their hope all the same. But before Luke gets around to Jesus, he introduces us to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let me read from Luke 1 verses 6 and 7. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Now, if you wanna talk about hope, talk to a couple who are not able to have a baby. Now, I have not had that experience personally, but I have talked and walked with people in our congregation, in our faith community, who have and in some cases are still walking through that longing. There's something that stood out to me in this passage, slightly different version than what I just read for you, but something that stood out to me, some words. And I'm gonna throw that passage back up on the screen again and show you these three words. This is a bit of an aside, but it struck me and I wanted to share this this morning. Three words that described Zechariah and Elizabeth. Righteous, blameless, and childless. Now, the reason that that's significant is because sometimes people feel that it maybe it's the reason for our maybe barrenness exactly to be specific or other situations that have happened to us that is because of something that we've done. And I think that the story reminds us that you can be blameless, you can be righteous, and you can still not receive the thing that you long for and hope for. Now, there are two sides to this Advent hope. There's a longing for change, a holding out for something new and something better, but there's also everything else that we do in the meantime. Now, a couple of things I need to make clear of. The first one is that you can't earn what you're hoping for by working harder or being good. If you could work harder to get what you're after, then you don't need to hope for it. You just need to work harder. But if you're hoping for something, it's not that hard works are gonna get that thing for you, but it doesn't mean that there's nothing for you to, to do while you wait for the hope to be fulfilled. So I was thinking about this and something came to mind that I think is actually a good parallel. So we're all familiar with the act of listening and some of us are, would also be familiar with the phrase active listening. So in a sense, listening just happens. Your ears are kind of always open, you can't close them, and so sounds come in, and, and that's really how we listen. But if you're in a conversation with someone, um, it's a much better practice to be an active listener than just a listener. So what does that look like? Well, there are a number of different things, so just a couple of examples. One might be your posture. So if, if you're in a conversation with someone and you cross your arms, now that doesn't really show that you're engaged in listening to them. So maybe you wanna have your arms in a more open posture. 
maybe you, you want to be uh, have your eye con making eye contact. You don't, certainly don't want to be like checking your phone or, or looking to see if there's anything else more interesting going on in the room around you. Uh, you want to be letting them know that you're listening to them. So maybe just like a nodding of the head or saying, mm-hmm, or I see. Uh, and you certainly want to be checking in. If they say something that you're not quite sure of, to demonstrate that you're actively listening, you're going to ask them a question about it. I'm sorry, could you say that again? I, I wasn't quite clear about that. Or, you know, could you tell me a little bit more about that? That is what active listening looks like. It's a lot more than just sitting there and allowing the words to go into your head. So I was thinking that it's a good parallel with hope. What if we talked about active hoping. How might your attention, your posture, your language, your focus, your interactions with God and with other people, how might changes to those things improve your hoping? So I was thinking I could give a number of specific examples, but actually I'd rather leave that for our post-service discussion times in our neighbors group, um, or if you choose not to participate in those discussions, as something for you to think about and maybe talk with family or friends during the course of the week. How might you be able to become an active hoper? Um, but one example that comes from the Advent booklet, um, Helen wrote this prayer and suggested that this is something that we actually uh, pray every day this week during the first week of Advent, a very simple prayer, Lord, expand my hope today. Now, if you were to pray that prayer every day or multiple times every day, do you see how you might become more active in your hope? So that would be an example, and I hope that we'll be able to have some more encouraging conversation about this throughout the day and the rest of the week. Now, again, this is not about doing things to help you get what you want. That's not what this is about. This isn't about, well, if I do these things, then the thing I hope for will come sooner. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things that will help us become a better hoper. I realize it's not a real word, but I think it's a good word. Like listening, sometimes hope can be difficult to sustain. It can be difficult to, to pay attention in our hope for a long time. But also like listening, our ability to remain hopeful can actually be improved if we are more actively engaged in the process of hope. You see, not only were Zechariah and Elizabeth hope longing for the Lord's temple to be established, of course, the entire nation of Israel was, but they were also specifically longing for a child, longing to be parents. Or at least they were longing for this. Luke 1, verse 13 and 14. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you. Now, based on Zechariah's very logical reaction, uh, I'm an old man, and my wife is, how can I say this politely, well along in years, it appears that he and Elizabeth, they may have accepted their circumstances, that, that this hope we've had, it's probably just not going to happen. But all along, the way that they lived their lives was preparing them for the gift of a child when all hope of childbearing was gone. Luke's 1, verse 14 to 15 continues, he will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Zechariah and Elizabeth are a picture of the hope that breaks through in Advent. Their hope had longevity, but it also did not paralyze them or prevent them from living God-honoring lives during those long years of anticipations. 
Now, anticipations, that's not a word either, but it's another good word. It's an Advent word that I love. As one author defined it, it is finding the balance between the anticipation of God's blessing and the patience required to trust in his timing. But here's the real kicker. Not only were Zechariah and Elizabeth's entire lives a preparation for the eventual fulfillment of their hopes, but the child who would be born, who we know as John the Baptist, would have the unique role of helping others prepare themselves for the arrival of the Messiah. We read about this in verse 16 and 17. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, this past week, I saw something in the news that I thought was great. It came from uh, Jasper National Park. And basically, there are these signs at the side of the road that give instructions to drivers. So I'm going to show you. The sign is in two panels. I'm going to show you the first panel. And I'm going to ask you to try to complete the phrase. So the first panel reads, do not let moose. OK, so do not let moose what? What do you think the second panel of this sign said? Got a guess? OK. Do not let moose lick your car. All right, quick show of hands. How many people guessed that that's what the sign would say? Yeah, no one, unless you've already read the article this week. What's the point? Well, apparently, um, the salt that uh, are put on the roads will kind of kick up and make the cars dirty, and then these moose will wander onto the road, and, and they will actually get the, uh, a kick out of the salt, and they're like, oh, this is delicious, and they lick the sides of these cars. And of course, the motors love it because they can get like a selfie with the moose and stuff like that, but the parks people are like, no, this is dangerous because the moose are learning that this is a good place to come for this like nutrition or whatever, and we don't want it. We want them to stay away from the roads because this is where accidents happen. So do not let moose lick your car. So the moral of the story is that sometimes the most convenient things can actually be really bad for us. And sometimes the most inconvenient things are the things that are good for us. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they spent their entire lives honoring God. And their late-born son would one day come with a message that would help others prepare for Christ's arrival in their own way. In Luke chapter 3, we read about the adult John the Baptist. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So he's telling people, essentially, the time, it's time to turn your life around. It's time to confess the sin, the things that keep you apart from one another and from God, and to just turn your back on that way of living and receive God's forgiveness. But it's not just some words that you say or some kind of thing that you believe in your head. It gets really practical about it. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So this change that you decide, it actually should have a result in your life. And then people start asking him questions. Well, what does that look like? He says, well, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same thing. Someone asked them, they're a tax collector, they say, well, what do I do? And they say, well, don't collect any more taxes than you are required to. Someone else asked him a question, he says, do, do, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. So he's giving all of these different advice, all this, this way of like, you need to shape, change the shape and the form of your life to prepare yourself for this thing that you have been hoping for. You, as the people of God, have been hoping for God to arrive, for him to send this Messiah for generations, for, for centuries now, and now it's time to get yourself prepared. And you can prepare yourself for the thing that you hope for. And here are a few examples of what that looks like. All of this practical advice on how to live while continuing to hope 
that God will come through. And so this is part of this message of Advent, right? Not to just hope, but to hope and live our lives in a way that prepares us for the eventual fulfillment of the things that we hope for. Jamie Smith puts it this way. The future we hope for, a future when justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, that future hangs over our present and gives us a vision of what to work for in the here and now as we continue to pray, your kingdom come. Even the passage from Isaiah, which has this kind of vision that we can look forward to one day, the people who are part of that vision have something to do. Isaiah 2, 4 says they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. There's something for the people to do while God is bringing about the fulfillment of their hopes. There's work to be done in the time before whatever it is that we are hoping for comes to pass. Now, this Advent is just going to be different than any other Advent season we've had. And most likely, we won't be hosting family dinners. We won't be throwing parties for our friends to come over to our home. But here's the question. Could Advent still be a time of preparing our home, of decorating the house, figuratively speaking, in anticipation of what God wants to do? Could we take advantage of some of the, the extra time and the extra resources that we have during the season, and instead of just sitting and, and hoping that things will be different one day, be actively engaged in inviting God into our lives? Emily Dickinson has this lovely poem, and the first few lines go like this. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. That's what hope does. Hope never stops. Earlier in the sermon, I showed a picture that I took of the fog that was kind of covering over our neighborhood. About an hour after I took that picture, I took another one. And as you can see, it's cleared up. Now listen, whatever it is the thing you're hoping for, I can almost guarantee it's not gonna to come to fruition in the course of an hour. That fog is not gonna lift that quickly. It might not lift for a day, for a week, for a year, who knows, but the time will come where the fog will lift, where you will see more clearly. There's a saying, everything will be all right in the end. So if it's not all right, then it's not the end. So hope keeps us going. In the words of Isaiah 2.5, come descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. I'm gonna close our time with a prayer right now and invite you to join me. And on the other side of the prayer, we're gonna dive into some post-service discussion in our neighbors groups. And I'll invite you to join in. If you're just visiting with us here this morning and you don't even know what these neighbors groups are about, but you'd like to participate in some conversation, there'll be a link in the comments right now and you can hop on that link and you'll be invited to join one of these groups. But let us close our time together in prayer. Lord, I'm grateful for this season this intentional time where together as a church community and together with believers around this world, we anticipate and we begin to build up and look forward to the celebration of the incarnation, this miracle of God becoming flesh to be here with us. And as we begin this journey, we begin by acknowledging the challenge of being hopeful. God, I pray that some of the things that we've talked about this morning, that they would be an example to us and they would encourage us and inspire us that the examples of people like Zechariah and Elizabeth and their faithfulness, that the message of John 
to live in a way to prepare ourselves for you, to make room for you in our lives, that these things, these messages would echo in our hearts. God, for those of us who are struggling to hang on to hope, I pray that you would help us to become better hopers, to be more hopeful, to have the kind of longevity that we see in these great people of faith. Help us in whatever our circumstances are to hang on, to cling on for dear life, to hope, because you are God and you are with us and you are faithful. Go with us today in Christ's name. Amen. Peace to you.